0: Hello and welcome to the Dot Ball Podcast. I'm Ken Borland, a South African cricket journalist for nearly 30 years. And alongside me is Andrew Sampson, who is the oracle of cricket statisticians, being the stato for the BBC's Test Match Special and the official statistician for Cricket South Africa. With us today as our guest, we are delighted to have former Proteus All-Rounder turned erudite supersport commentator John Kent joining us from Durban. A dot ball is sometimes considered to be what happens when nothing happens on the cricket field. But as a batsman and bowler, I thought dot balls were wonderful things. And in this age of T20 cricket, a lot of money is paid to analysts to work out what causes dot balls. So hopefully, we can bring you that same level of analysis on cricket in South Africa, both domestically and in terms of the proteas. And I'm sure Andrew will have some fantastically relevant and arcane stats. Uh, to share with us as well. Hello Andrew, what was your uh, highlight of the of the last week? Hello
1: Ken, <laughs> uh, probably the end of the cricket season. It's, it's usually a highlight, although this cricket season didn't have much cricket in it obviously due to COVID and things like that so it's less of a highlight than it normally is. It's, it's always good to get a break but um, there's always other cricket follow around the world and county championship and stuff like that that I've been watching so there's always something to watch. John Kent, uh, your your highlight of the week? Oh, I think
2: uh, it's been good to see a couple of uh, good games uh, of this IPL this week. I saw a good performance from Engedi. I thought that was really good. Um, obviously, the end of that Pakistan uh, series also giving us a bit of time for, you know, some reflection on some of the personal and team performances throughout. Yeah,
0: yeah, we'll certainly touch on uh, both the uh, South Africans in the IPL and of course, how the Proteas went against uh, Pakistan. Uh, for me personally, I, I think the highlight of the last week, obviously the Proteas uh, lost another series, so we can't go there. But I thought it was great when the uh, list of squads for the 2021-22 domestic season was announced and we saw some really good quality cricketers who are going to come back into the domestic system, the likes of Simon Harmer, Duan Olifia Uh, Wayne Parnell, Amla and Philander obviously coming out of retirement, Uh, Chris Morris. For me, that was was good news. Starting at the top, I guess uh, we can deal with the Proteas. I got into trouble for uh, calling a lot of the reaction to the Proteas results as being hysterical because I think a lot of people, just in my opinion, have forgotten that we were missing six or seven players from our first choice lineup Um, and Pakistan were pretty... Full strength, John Kent. Do you think, do you think that's fair comment? was there cause for some optimism in the Proteas' performances?
2: Yeah, I think there were some, some couple of really good standout performances with the bats. I think, um, you know, if you look at our our current frontline fast bowlers, you look at Ngidi, Rabada, Nokia. You know, as those options when they go away. Now we get to look to see what guys can do when they have to front up right at the start of a game and power plays and and middle sections of some games. So some guys really did tail off quite worryingly, I think, as some of the the series as it went along. I think, as you say, we, we don't need to be hysterical, but we need to be honest in terms of how the next best guys have have stepped in and, and how they've done. So, I think there was a few worrying moments from this, in particularly the bowling side of things. I think, obviously, Markram, he was really good, um, really standing out, obviously, from his, his season he's had. has been really good. He just continued that form into the international arena, which we've been waiting for for, for some time. And it's obviously great to see that option now, where you've got de Kock, Milan. You know, you could throw in Faf Duplessis as an opener, as well for the T20 World Cup, so you know you've got say four four really good players there that are going to fight for two spots there up front of the order. But you know I think Miller obviously is a is a is a certainty from from my point of view. I think he's really done some good things in in the last year. He you know sort of plateaued for a while, but I think he's starting to find you know since you know for me when AB FAF, when those guys start to go, I'd like to see Miller be given that integral part of taking control from the sort of 7th over to the 20th over, really getting in and, and doing what he can do best, not just coming in with a few overs to, to hit a few out the ground. He's a proper player and I think we need to give him a little bit more time time and balls to face in these sort of games. But yeah, I think um, in terms of what you started with, Ken, I think it, it was a little bit worrying from the bowling side of things. I think the batting, I think we could we could see some really good signs there, some guys taking opportunities. Uh, Linda with a new ball was proving to be quite a nice addition to the squad um, as well in that sense. Uh, spin with a new ball obviously is important, especially if we're playing in the subcontinent going forward. Um, so, Linda, Shamsi, Yashamsi, also I'd like to see a, a little bit more from him in terms of threatening in, in the middle overs. I know we play, saw a few four-day games in the end of the season, um, a couple there where he wasn't really threatening as much. But we know, obviously, in terms of his ranking, that he is currently in in the world. He's right up top there, and and he's a class act. So I'm looking forward to to see him striking again in those middle overs.
0: Yeah, John, I think I I pretty much agree with with everything you've said. Andrew, were there any players who came out of that T20 series, and I guess the ODIs as well, um, who you feel put their hands up and, and said, I can make it at international level?
1: Yeah, well, obviously the results were disappointing, but not terribly surprising. Uh, there's no reason to be hysterical about uh, losing when the South African team at the moment isn't great, um, having lost a whole lot of great players over the last few years. So they're in a classic rebuilding situation. Markram was obviously the one guy who stood out. Um, he's really established himself at last at international level, um, having scored hundreds in test matches in Pakistan and then. Three fifties in a row in the T20 International Series. I joined Hashi Mumler as the only player to have done that and only just missed out on joining, joining um, a few play, the two players who have done four times, which is Brendan McCullum and Chris Gale, who
0: are fairly useful as far as I know. <laughs> That's sort of the gold standard of uh, T20 yeah. batting, yeah. I must say it was great to see Markram uh, transformed um, and really showing that he can do that explosive top-order batsman uh, yep. uh, job.
1: He well, a strike rate of 100, over 180 in that T20 series. Mm-hmm. And it's always good to see Tabrae Shamsi talking to his shoe. That's generally a good <laughs>
0: sign. I mean, obviously, we would like, I think, to have Tabrae Shamsi making more phone calls uh, with his shoe, which is going to require him to take more wickets, um, especially in those middle overs. I, I know there's a big debate about the value of wickets uh, in T20. But, uh, John, do you you think opposition teams are maybe just knocking Shamsi around, seeing him off, not taking any risks against him?
2: Yeah, at this stage, it seems that way. Um, I think if, if, uh, if there's no wickets down in that power play, I think he might come under a little bit of pressure. But, you know, with our fast bowlers, hopefully picking up two wickets in the power play, he can come on with... Maybe a couple of new faces with a bat, so they'll be happy to knock knock him around as well. Um, so yeah, I, th- I tend to think that they'd be happier sort of knocking him around. I suppose if the guys have a have a fairly quiet power play up front in the game, they might look to be a little bit more aggressive to him. But um, obviously, with our team attack being fairly strong at full strength, um, yeah, the dynamics going to be quite interesting to see at the World Cup how how teams approach trying to play our attack. Um, but I think, yeah, obviously we, we, we've we seen him be very, very successful um, in this format so far. And hopefully it continues into the big uh, World Cup games.
0: I noticed in the uh, domestic T20 uh, that Shamsi started extremely well. Um, his fortunes kind of mirrored those of the Titans. Uh, started very well, but then after the first couple of games, it seems like even our domestic batsman had figured him out. You know, he wasn't so successful thereafter. Do, do you think, John, that he bowls that ball spinning, turning into the pads to the right-hander a bit too much? Do you think he should be varying things a bit more? They, they seem to know what was coming.
2: Yeah, I think he, he tries to he, to tuck the right-hand batsman up quite a bit into their pads so they knock him on the leg side for one. So that's you know, probably not a bad option. But uh, obviously, at times, you might get a slightly wrong and bowl a couple of wides down the leg side. But um, I would... I personally would like to see him use a little bit more variation, as you say, um, so, so the batsmen you know, don't find him too predictable, especially being a wrist spinner, having all those options up his sleeve, which I'm sure he does. He probably doesn't use all of them all the time. But, um, yeah, I'm a big believer that in the big World Cup games, he can hopefully bring a little bit of X factor, as he always does, and, and some some variations to back it up.
0: Yeah, and I uh, like what you said about David Miller. I think... Uh I think the one good thing perhaps about playing a, a second string side recently has been that we've appreciated our first choice players uh, a bit more and we've seen just how tough a job a, a guy like David Miller does have uh, in that in that middle order and you as ever the uh, rather large figure of AB de Villiers uh, looms large um he's not that big, isn't he? <laughs> shorter than me. Big I would in think. big in reputation oh, okay. and uh, and stats. Yes. Um and obviously do you feel he should be brought back in uh into the T twenty World Cup plans? And uh, I mean taking into account what John has said about trying to get David Miller up the order to face more balls. What's our batting lineup going to look like if, if A B does play?
1: Well, yeah, firstly, the, the opening options have expanded quite a bit over the series because you've obviously got Koch and Bavuma were supposed to be the original openers, and Markram and Malan did very well against Pakistan. So, and Reza Hendricks is still in the mix, so you've got you know, five or six openers to choose from before you even look at his number three, four, and five. Personally, I think they should decline the option of um, including A.B. de Villiers. I think he's, he's passed. Um, I know he's scoring runs in the IPL and whatever, but um, the future of South African cricket is not AB de Villiers. Interesting.
0: Yeah, because uh, doing some sort of uh, sums in my own head, uh, if AB does play, then uh, you're looking at a Rassi van der Dusen maybe missing yeah. out, who, who's been incredibly consistent and done uh, really well in, in T20. Uh John Kent, any final thoughts on the Proteus before we move on to the domestic game?
2: Yeah, I think I'd, I'd touch on that uh, AB story there as well because it's you know he, he makes his comments once in a while. Um, you know, you know, I need to have a chat and see. Just all all we want as cricket fans and cricket people is to say, are you in or are you out? Okay, are you available or aren't you available? If you can tell us now, wonderful. If not. We're going to have a bombshell go off like that World Cup last time too. Where is he available? Is not he available? But I'll to this guy. Just have the conversation now for me, work it out, and then we can move forward. And then at, at the last minute, we're not going to have a big issue, which it could potentially happen again. To be honest, um, but but all either way, make the decision. I'm available, and you say, okay, no problem. Let's get you uh, let's get you involved. And uh, and have a full you know lead up to the World Cup with all the series that we're going to be playing. So that's ideally what we should have. And if he doesn't, as we say, then we can start making some plans around him. But yeah, I think I think you've got some you know with Millers, the Linders, the A B S, those sort of options there. At potentially, you know, that's that's a really nice sort of destructive pack of batsmen we have up our sleeve.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I th- I think it would be entirely reasonable to say to A B fine, you can come out of retirement, anyone can do that. Um, but if he's not available now to play for the Proteus from June when they go to the West Indies um, and all the way through to the World Cup, then you know that, Then I think it's only fair to say that you're either in for everything from now uh, or you're not at all. Moving on to the uh, domestic game. And, of course, yeah, our no. <laughs> John, yeah, I love the domestic game as well, I, mu- I must say. And that's one of the reasons we started this podcast was to give a bit more attention to uh, the domestic game because it's starved of a bit of love. Yeah, the the summer came to an end not that long ago. And uh, John Kent, fair to say the Dolphins are the dominant franchise uh, in South African cricket at the moment? Yeah, they
2: had a really good season. They've sort of put together uh, a nice squad. There's quite a good balance there between some experienced players and some Good young talent. Um, obviously, Ackermans led the side at times. Ervia got a call-up to that test squad. Um, and now, looking like, as you say, mentioning the, the new sort of new-look squads. They've uh, obviously brought Keegan Peterson last season, which was a really good signing, I think. And then now Smith and Young and Antini is now in that squad as well. So they have lost uh, Mutasami, who's, who's moved to Northwest. So... They obviously need to try and find some cover for him. Brass Parsons is a left-hand batsman, left-arm spinner. Um, but yeah, Tando Antini, yeah, he's been, he's shown us uh, glimpses this season. Uh, we've had some televised games with him. But uh, yeah, obviously this is his third franchise in three years now. So yeah, interesting move.
0: Yeah, I must say I was a, I was a bit surprised that Antini, uh left the Titans after just one season and as you say, the season before that at at the Cobras. And certainly he he looks an exciting prospect. I guess you do want to be careful that you don't get a reputation for jumping around every year. I still think the Dolphins, uh, I mean, their strength is going to be their their spin bowling and uh, conditions at Kingsmead being um, so conducive to that. Uh, Personally, I think it's great to have a a Bunsen burner uh, somewhere in the country. Uh, I guess the other uh, sort of powerhouse team at the moment in in local cricket is the Lions, um, who will now just be playing as the central Gauteng Lions. They were almost too strong. I mean, they were probably a bit like the Titans two or three seasons ago, where you had international players not able to get a game. So a good thing that Northwest have taken a a few players away. I mean, Mutasami to me is a, a quality cricketer. So... He should do really well. Andrew, what do you think of the, the Lions prospects with their, with their new squad?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, as you say, one of the better teams and a lot of depth um, in their squad, um, which, of course, as you also said again, has been reduced a bit by quite a few of them going off to Northwest and, and, and other places. But uh, they'll be one of the stronger teams next year. I see of um, Olafia is back. Um, I thought he was going to be playing for England. I was wondering whether <laughs> Olivier would be playing for England. That was the original plan, as far as I can understand, but obviously the whole Colpack situation has changed.
2: No, they come back they come back and they come back and kiss
1: yeah, yeah. oh, i okay. mean it 's a, a complex yeah. and, and tricky sort of issue what players do with them, with their careers <laughs> and things and the choices that they have these days. Um, so, you know, he's, he's obviously a very good bowler. Uh, he did exceptionally well in those test series against Pakistan and Sri Lanka a few years ago. So he's yet another one in that um, cutting line, central cutting Lions squad to add more to the depth there. And, yeah, they look like a good team.
0: Yeah, I thought uh, Mark Boucher handled it really well when he was asked specifically about Dwayne uh recently and, and whether he would welcome him back. Uh, into the Proteus fold, and and Boucher said, well, a lot of things need to happen first. Um, first of all, he needs to show form in our system. We cannot judge him on what he did for South Africa in the past or on his overseas form. Um, then he has to fit into our culture, show that he has a good attitude, and the guys are happy to have him. Uh, if he ticks all those boxes, then we would welcome him back. Uh, John Kent, do you think that's fair a fair approach
2: yeah i think so it's uh yeah it's just a case of filtering back into the system as are a number of guys like the harmers the abbots they also you know back in the mix as well now abbott go- going down to Bourland when it looked like he was going to go to the titans uh but yeah absolutely i think it's morris obviously being signed with the titans quite a few guys fall into that sort of category um where where they've they've shown their the interest to come back again and that's that's a good sign to strengthen our system no doubt about it um, but yeah absolutely they need to come here and they need to turn up and and you know obviously be the true professionals I'm sure they are and step up and and get some good numbers on the board and start you know really pushing for higher honors which we which we all want really if we've got a group of you know 20 24 players that are really Class. If you add this bunch of guys here now onto our current national contracted players, plus a few that are from outside that are playing in the side, you, you've got a really big pool of players now to choose from for in in all the formats. Is what is what we all want.
0: Yeah, John. Uh, you started your career as a player as a, as a very young man uh, playing for Natal, and and you ended it as a one of those sort of veteran figures with the Dolphins. Uh, just. For, for young guys um, in professional cricket, how, how important is it to have uh, guys like your Harmers, your Abbotts, your Stian uh those sort of guys as as teammates?
2: Yeah, I think it's hugely important I had guys like, say, like a John T or a Hudson or a Errol Stewart, those sort of guys, uh, like Aldine Baptiste, those sort of guys you could learn a hell of a lot from. So I think that's why Vernon Philander, that's what he said, uh, is what he wants to do where, when he does come back and play for Western Provinces, is, I think he has used as a bowling catch possibly this last season a little bit on and off at times. But, you know, obviously he's committing fully to playing. And I'm, I'm sure that obviously a, a bowling type of role will fall into, you know, his his job description. Um, but I think it's going to be a, a huge thing for, for the guys now that it's almost like a generational gap that we had where the young guys are coming through. And then, you know, the top of the pool guys aren't quite at the level of the Vernons, the Abbots, the Ollafiers—these sort of guys. So, I think we're gonna we're gonna need to lean on these guys quite a bit. I think. Well, our youngsters, are, it's just a, you know, obviously a case of, you know, the youngsters wanting to learn as well. I suppose the, uh, you know, the young youth of today, you know, sometimes knows quite a lot, you know. Um, but <laughs> but uh, I really do hope they they have a beer, have a, cream soda whatever you have after the games and training <laughs> sessions and actually take heed of what these guys are saying because if they don't. It really is going to be, you know, a huge loss to to their own cricket and obviously South African cricket if they don't, you know, take something out of their book. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When I actually interviewed Vernon about uh, why he's come out of retirement, he he said, "Please put in that even bowlers from the opposition are welcome to come and talk to me and uh, get some tips." And you know, I'm there. I'm there to try and help everyone in South African cricket of course we'll we'll see how long that lasts in the in the heat of battle <laughs> with promotion relegation uh, uh on the horizon um and you're just looking at the squads for for next season uh do you see the dolphins and the lions being challenged are there are there some other teams that you think we should be taking note of?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the Cobras isn't. Well, what, are they going to be called Western Province or the Cobras next season? I don't even know. But anyway, um, I think
0: Western Province will certainly be th- in there. Yeah.
1: Um, but, yeah. um, you know, they've obviously. Their youth policy is Bernard Philander, Hashim <laughs> Wayne Parnell all making comebacks. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of experience there will obviously help them. They've got a, a lot of good young players as well, so that could be a challenge. Um Philanders needs 20 wickets to get to 600 in first-class cricket. Mm. so You've always got to keep an eye out for the for the numbers, mm. um, which you should be able to get if he plays a full season. Um, so I think they might be a, an improved team on what they've been in the last year or two. Uh, Northerns are always there or thereabouts, although, as you say, they've dipped a bit in the last few years, but Simon Harmer there in that squad now, Chris Morris, I don't know how much he'll play, but, you know, They've got some decent players. We'll see how that works out.
0: Yeah, I believe uh, Simon Harmer is available for everything. Uh, Chris Morris is available for all the white ball stuff. And if there are crucial four-day games, he'll also be available for <laughs> is that how it works these days? <laughs> yes. Pick, Pick and choose.
1: There'll also be other 2020 leagues all over the world that will interfere with the
0: cricket season. Yeah, no doubt. yeah. No, exactly. So, yeah. John, the, the, the two teams coming up, if you like, Borland and uh, Northwest. what what do you make of the squads that they have announced?
2: I think uh, with the Borland side, I think they've got a lot of experience and quality in terms of the white players like uh, Peter Milan, Milan, uh, Janeman, obviously, Van Sale, Van Berg, Hardis um obviously uh, Christian Juncker, he's there. Um, and they've got Sia Mahima, who's who's the left arm spinner who played for Cobras in the T twenty series. Uh Ruanta Blanche, he's a youngster who's from there, who's sort of got, got the call up. Kefeldin as well was with the Cobras. He's back to his home really at Burland. Um and then they've got Copeland, who's a who's a S and 19 player. Uh Kwabe, who's a is a seamer, Cloud Fortein, who's also from that area, who who's went to the Warriors for a period of time. And uh, is now back. And then Achilles Clutti, who has been a tux in this last year. Um and he's fighting his way back there as well. So I suppose it's just really the the balance of of these teams. I think their side in particular, if you if you look at spin, there's obviously von Berg there and Mahima, those are their two spinning options. Um and then when you go to the fast bowling sort of depth, there's hardest for Lyon. you know, I'm not sure how you know how hard he's gonna be running in, to be honest, in forty degree heat when there's other leagues around as well. So that's also, you know, that's meant to be the spearhead of the attack. And obviously Kyle Abbott's um, a big part of that. Uh, you know, he enjoys his wine. So I'm sure he'll enjoy his time down there. Um, and Achilles Clutty is a big, a big route-arm seamer. Um, you know, and that's, you know, you're starting to look at Frisco Adams' balls, a ball summing there. So yeah, I think if they get one or two little injuries, possibly in terms of the fast bowlers, they could be under a bit of pressure. But you know, I think most of these teams could be under a little bit of pressure with only 16 players, and then the fast bowlers. If there's a problem, I think some teams could get uh, could get exposed a little bit. Um, but going across to Northwest, um, yeah, you, know, you mentioned earlier that there's plenty of Lions players that have gone there: Marshall, Portrida, Pongolo, Fandenberg, uh, Hawken, um, and then there's a lot of guys on this list here that that have moved up from the provincial level. Up to you know this top level now, and they've got more than any other squad currently. Which is Urban Burtas, the opening batsman from Pika, Shad Claassen, who's played for UJ, Shailen Pillay, he's been at the Strikers, Senequane, he's he's been from he's from there, he's just obviously moved up, and Daseko, he's also a local boy. So they've they've got uh, obviously a lot of new faces there. Um, I think they're going to. Lean heavily on on the players like Mutisemi, like you said earlier, uh, Portegieta, who I think had a really good season this year, um, and then the two Lions players, who I think also have a big role to play, the captain and keeper Fun and, and Hawken, with with the pace bowling department, are going to be quite important. I think I think they're going to rely quite heavily on his fast bowling. Looking at their, their squad and their makeup at the moment.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I must say when. Uh, saw that hardest for Lewin and Carl Abbott had signed for Borland to go play in Paul. I was a little bit surprised, given uh, what you've said, about 40 degrees and a very flat pitch. But then I, I thought, I guess they do play half their games away from home. So <laughs> they'll be looking forward to those. Andrew, just uh, d- before we leave domestic cricket, um, what were the sort of statistical highlights to come out of the uh, the last domestic season?
1: Oh, we're back to Aidan Markram again, aren't we? Um, 945 runs at 94.5 uh, with five 50s uh, 500, sorry, and two 50s in seven games now. There's only six players who've scored 500s in a four-day a, well, senior first-class competition in South Africa in a season. Um, and he did it in seven games. The other guys who've done it all played at least eight games in the season. He might have got to six if he'd uh, been available for the final, although Facing I know the rest of his team batted. Maybe he wouldn't have he wouldn't have had the opportunity, but uh, it was a phenomenal season from him. Um, and despite that, Carl Varane finished ahead of him in the averages. Um, a Few less games and a f- slightly lower number of runs, but he averaged 97.14, uh, which is pretty impressive. And then of course Keshav Maharaj in the bowling department, um, playing a lot more than usual because of the lack of international cricket. 34 wickets at 20. Uh, and he also scored 408 runs at 40.8 at a strike rate of over 100, which is what everyone gets excited about these days. So, so yeah, there was some some very good performances in that uh, competition.
0: Yeah, and Edin Markram having a, a sort of Barry Richards-esque yep. uh, domestic season. Those of us are old enough to remember Barry. Well, I was going to ask you, Andrew, <laughs> how, how do you think Barry Richards would have gone in the IPL? Oh, Barry
1: would have made a thousand runs a season with a strike rate of two
0: hundred and fifty. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah,
1: very, very good player.
0: John, what have you, what have you made of the uh, IPL so far, and uh, specifically the South African performances?
2: Yeah, I always, I, I always enjoyed watching him run Tahir, and it's just a little bit, you know, sad. Obviously, him sitting on the bench getting splinters, but you know, like he, hopefully, he gets a bit of game time out there. Um, faf 's shown some good form, which is really good to see right up top um a b as well really really good um Miller got a couple the other day and a b in form so most of our guys are you know really doing a good job I think there's obviously Marco Jansen who's caught a couple of games I think uh just before Nathan now sort of regains fitness from what what he heard, he might sort of drop out of the reckoning, but at least you know it's it's a new player from our country that's experiencing something like that, which is really, really exciting. Um, you know, obviously the rest of our players, you know, still early doors um, in terms of like the Rabadas, Norquias. Um But yeah, I think, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting competition. I don't, I don't know, Ken, who you think's got, you know, obviously Delhi, I think, is a, is a pretty decent side at the moment. Mumbai is in the running as well.
0: Yeah, it's still uh, very early days, obviously. Uh, Chennai are doing uh, extremely well and and it's been interesting to see uh Fafti proceed's progression uh through the tournament he He started by scratching around for a three ball duck uh and then made thirty six not out of thirty three when they were chasing a hundred or something so he he could afford to take his time but he's really stepped up again in the last two games thirty three of seventeen and then ninety five not out of sixty balls um as Chennai beat. Uh, Kolkata um, Marco Janssen you mentioned what a what a lovely p- pleasant surprise that was to um, see him get included by the defending champions Mumbai Indians straight away uh, as you say a wonderful experience uh, Chris Morrison and David Miller combining to win a game for the uh, Rajasthan Royals against the Delhi Capitals that looked totally lost uh, A.B. de Villiers has played a, a couple of typically uh, phenomenal innings and I, I just thought the other day it was great to see Lungi and Gidi ball so well um, you know to have figures of 4 over 3 for 28 when the opposition scores over 200 um, that's really special
2: yeah he's done really well obviously RCB they I don't know normally get found out for their lack of bowling options but at the moment they're three from three Um and they, they, I think the, the Delhi Daredevils uh, has battled over the years but they seem to have got the the Richard Pent the Shreyas Iyer they've got a couple really nice local youngsters that have grown into the side and they've obviously Shikha the one still doing pretty well um, but yeah I think the, the sun rises so far KKR been pretty disappointing I think
0: Yeah there they, um, are a couple of teams that certainly seem to be struggling Um with their lineups and uh, you know I think those top four or five teams is going to be a bit of juggling and uh, movement on the log well gents I think I think that's it John it's been a great pleasure uh, to have you on the program Uh, one of the guys who really understands the the local game in South Africa uh, and obviously you see a lot of the cricket and a lot of the players um, as a super sport commentator so fantastic to have your input thanks so much John and, uh, yeah, hopefully our, our next podcast, we can maybe bring some good news on the uh, Cricket South Africa front. Hopefully peace will have broken out instead of the uh, all-out war and stupidity that currently uh, seems to be the status quo. That's it from uh, myself. Cheers for now.